You're listening to the Nerd to Know Media Network. Join us at nerdtoknowmedia.com. from the Blanchestan Center. This is Phoenix FM. The internet is a communications tool used the world over where people can come together to bet movies and share pornography with one another. According to the Nerd Index, you should be upside down in a junior high toilet around the clock. This is We'll do it live. Todd goes in, Todd goes out. Never miss communication. It's over 9,000. My name is Foxy. The balls are in there. Welcome to this week's edition of the Nerd to Know Basis Show. I am Kian, and with me is Kev. Hey. hey, how are you doing this week, Kev? I'm doing good. Uh, this week, that's definitely after Comic Con has happened. <laughs> totally, definitely. We're definitely Even not. Even though we're going to cover TV shows that came out in a different week, but totally, totally, we're definitely not recording these in batches because Dara's off gallivanting in Star Wars theme park. <laughs> Yes, if you listen now, you can hear on the wind Dara getting upset. I think on a quiet evening, you probably hear that anyway. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> which, I mean, to be fair, he'll come back with a very detailed thesis, which will be worth hearing. But you oh, know. I need, oh, I'm, I'm excited to experience Galaxy's Edge through him. It's, yeah. it's, it's, it's how I like to experience things I know I'm not doing. <laughs> Yes, we know you're listening, Dara, editing this. Sorry. <laughs> so, uh, but yes, we're not covering Star Star Wars. We're covering some Star Trek things, as well as some video game stuff we've lots of thoughts on. So, uh, this week, uh, because no one else is here and we're allowed to get away with it, we're going to talk about Strange New Worlds and how it's kind of, uh, coupled with Star Trek Picard's most recent season, kind of brought Star Trek back into the mainstream. Like, I'm not sure if you feel the same, but certainly I've been following, like, from Discovery onwards, new Trek kind of coming back. And it doesn't feel like random people I know have been excited about Star Trek before this year, even though a few shows have been on the air. Like, what are your kind of feelings on Star Trek at the moment? I think, yeah, you're kind of on it. Like, it's definitely, it. this, even like this second season feels like the most pushed. Mm. Like, it's the only thing since, like, the the, the revival in Discovery that, like, I've seen billboards for right That's Dublin. true. It's like they're on Dublin buses, aren't they? Yeah, like that's it's like there is a big push, and I think it's working. And like this, the last season and this season in particular, it has a lot that like a lot of people could get into. Mm. And it's also like, well, we're gonna get into it. I think like I, I wanted this to be like a uh a season retrospective because the finale aired only earlier this week. Um I mean the week before that. 
the week before that yeah definitely yes, over a week totally, ago. Yeah. totally um but yeah like there's the, like the the stranger worlds is going back to the episodic format mm. uh yeah, like but it was like a bit of a wiggle room, but yes. Bit of a wiggle room, but like I think like you could more so than Discovery, you can yes. jump into any Strange New World episode and it's like there will be undercurrents of an of a line plot, but there there will be a whole experience in that episode. Yeah, the characters yeah. are going on journeys, but they'll catch you up relatively quickly yeah. if you're kind of stepping into it like and like I think yeah, just to kind of get into it, like especially this season, the variety of genres and just types of things the episodes are doing like the ambition in strange new worlds is out of this world mm. um no you're absolutely right it's uh well i'll tell you what before we get into strange new worlds particularly because i know uh i have been keeping up with star trek and apparently so has your dad but uh what was there something be it lower decks or Picard? Was there something that kind of pulled you back into Star Trek in a big way? Cause I know you've been kind of orbiting it for a while. I think it was discovery. Um, okay. Like Star Trek's always kind of, Star Trek has kind of always been a part of my life. Mm. Like I watched a lot, like most of the next generation when I was younger, like my dad, my dad's been a Trekkie since the sixties. Like, right. He's, he's OG. <laughs> um, so like we always kind of, we had, we had a lot of next generation and Voyager kind of kicking around the house. I just kind of lived with it for a while, just kind of undercurrenting. And then, yeah, it was, it was discovery just kind of brought it back and it was, it was really interesting. And it kind of gave it that, that golden air, like that prestige era TV kind of sheen. Mm. And then, yeah. And then it kind of cycled out and we've talked about it, the, the evolution since then and kind of all of the different things and that Star Trek has been doing. And for the most part, all of them have kind of been interesting to me. Add on to that, the, um, uh, add on to that the, the convenience of streaming and it's just kind of it's it's now been something I've been able to watch nigh constantly and like the past two years of my life Star Trek has been kind of an underline just there like I've, I you know I watched all of Voyager last year I'm about a season into Deep Space Nine and that's on top of just kind of plowing through all the new stuff like it's I got a Paramount Plus subscription and I'm using it to pay. Yes. <laughs> that's just it. Star Trek and SpongeBob own this house now. Yeah, that's, I, it's, you know, I got the Paramount Plus subscription cut for the Nickelodeon stuff, which mm. they're drip feeding in because they only just put up Invaders in. Ooh, okay. That's why you enjoyed And in the back, I think when I first got to the back of my mind, I was like, yeah, you know, there's going to be all the Avatar stuff that they're like, they're producing that I'm going to be really interested in. Mm. And only like, and that, that was because I've had this for a couple of months now. And then I got into Star Trek. And then the only the other day I was like, wait, where's all that Avatar stuff? <laughs> I noticed that they're only putting stuff up gradually. Like they've only put up the, they put up the first season of Short Treks up this week, mm. uh, which um, was on Netflix, but they basically put a load of money into making these Short Treks to kind of hype up the second season of Discovery. And Netflix didn't hype them and just put them in the extras feature, like yeah, where yeah, the like trailers are and stuff. So no one saw them. Uh, so yeah, this I'm hoping this will give them a new lease of life. I actually, the second season of Short Tracks is only available on DVD, unless you right. like, which is bizarre. So yeah, I think I think now it's going to be better now that all of the Star Treks are under one umbrella because they were kind of spread across two or three places for a little while. That's it. Yeah, like it's it. Like if if you are a Star Trek fan, yeah, just get Paramount. It's it's all there. I think. 
does it have i think it's still missing i think it's still missing lower decks i think that's like the one that's big the one holdout yeah so i think, I think like there's probably what happens with this fourth season we'll kind of decide that i'd say there's probably just a contract with amazon they're waiting to run out yeah exactly um, <laughs> they're they're waiting to run out as a because it wasn't Picard Amazon as well. I think they Picard was that on <laughs> uh, Prime Video and Paramount Plus simultaneously. Okay, okay. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, uh, if if you are happy enough, then uh, would you like to get into Strange New World season two? Of course, because uh, as I was saying, I, I, like the it's the differences that just kind of happened. Because I'm looking even the first three episodes. Because yeah, the first one was the Klingon mining camp, which was a very action adventure. You got, yeah, this is where we start. This is where we start getting getting hints of Mbenga and uh, Chapel's like war history. That's just it. Because I think a lot of the other Trek uh, franchises, because lots of people didn't react well to the Discovery Klingons, have been quite gun shy about using the Klingons. Mm. Uh, obviously, animation is a different kettle of fish, but. Uh, but yeah, this not only is this them back, but also they're starting to kind of reference other Star Trek because, you know, the Klingon War is Discovery stuff, you know? That's where it happened. So they're starting to kind of get more comfortable drawing on other things. And plus, but they've also got the humour. I think the balance works really well in that first episode. Oh, like, yeah. you have the double whammy of, like, the new uh, chief on the ship and Spock drinking blood wine. Which, I, like, I think now, now that we bring her up, because, you know, I love this cast, she, the entire season, always felt a bit odd. Yeah, <laughs> she never quite, but, but, I'm, but I'm willing to, I'm willing to let, it, let her grow on me, you know? I think I, I really miss Hemmer quite a lot. That's so. it. And I, mm, I won't say... Like for I think for clarity's sake, um, Kian, you have not watched the finale of this season. Yes, yes. Um, there is th- something happens in the finale. I don't suspect she's going to stick around for very long. Okay, that was the vibe I got. Um, she is a she is famous, isn't she? She's from like you know um, the like, yeah, like Princess she, Bride and Scrooge and all these wonderful things. Like it, it, it is as well. It's that she's kind of doing the exact same character as she was in Unbreakable Kimmy Schmidt. Oh, I haven't now seen on that. Spaceship. It's fine, but it's it's very much like where in that she was like a New York landlord who was mm. kind of kooky. Now she's just a space engineer. It's kind of kooky, and it's it's very yeah, much they, the same. They've, they've kind of put her in the cube bracket yeah. though of some weird unknowable thing, more closer yeah. to a Guinan or something. So I don't mind that, like you know, for a little uh, while. But yeah, no, but that, you're right. The comedy hits again. I I can't think of any of the actors' names off the top of my head, but I've got a list here. Uh, Spock's actor. Oh, Ethan Peck. Ethan Peck. Flawless. You, you know, like I'm, I apologize if you do know this. You know, he's Gregory Peck's grandson. I think you told me this. Yeah, yeah. from Kill the Mockingbird and all that. Yes, yeah. Uh, no, flawless. Like we we knew from his term in Discovery that he was a great Spock, yeah. but he has he has that perfect balance of the serious stoic Spock, like younger than we know from the original series. Mm. But he can also he is also the funniest part of any scene where there's comedy. <laughs> and we'll, yeah. we'll get into some of the later episodes that really I think just shine that. <laughs> That's just it. It's it's tough because, like I said, we'll get more into this as we go along. I've been watching the original Star Trek series along with this. Like, you know, if an episode about Khan pops up in Strange New Worlds, I'll go watch the Khan thing and the original. And this show and 
the original show both have the thing, which is that Spock is never funny necessarily. He's not the butt of the joke, but yeah. he's just so consistent <laughs> that he can say something in a situation and it's really funny. I'm not going to say accidentally because from a production point of view, it's intended to be funny, but yeah. like he doesn't play up the humor. He is just no, funny by association, you know? He's a perfect straight man. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. Um, and you're right, Ethan Peck gets that down really well because like, it's one thing to step into another actor's shoes for the second time, really, because Zachary Quinto did it as well. Mm. Uh, but it's another to like hold that and hold the balance of being very remote and humorous and warm. It's a, it's a big juggling act, you know? Yeah, and he's 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 knocking it out of the park, like, mm. um, which as we, as we go, I think there's like there's a lot of characters filling a lot of shoes, and some do it better than others. But mm. we'll we'll kind of play in because I do want. I, I almost kind of want to go through this in order, just mostly because that's what. Could I? Well, before we, I know you want to do the episode list. Could we do yeah. a little like wrap around of just each of the crew because there's not many of them, like so. Okay, yeah. So, so we like you we covered you covered Spock there. We've got uh, Anson Mount as Christopher Pike. Like thoughts on him doing stellar. Like it's yes. it's we we have we do have a Pike from the original, but few and far between. Of like what that character was Yeah and this is, like that That Pike was very young and very Kind of like we're going to get into it because There's an episode ties into it but yeah, In that one episode he appeared in He had just messed up a mission and he was thinking Of quitting Starfleet And he was just in a bit of a bad place I think yeah. this Pike is closer To the one in the 2009 films Where he's Clearly older but he also has a Kind of a slight swagger to him You know yeah like he's he's it, it, like he feels like what Pike was from the jump, um, which is a proto Kirk. Like, yes, and he and he feels like somebody where you can see the elements of what he kind of 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 more, more taken from the the Abrams films, what he kind of mentors into Kirk. Yes, while still having his own his own kind of um, aged experiences. Yeah, like, and I know that like. Uh, the, the the things that like say he likes to ride horses, he likes to cook, that kind of stuff. Those yeah. things are true of his appearance in the original Star Trek, but it does feel like he's very deliberately like a throwback to kind of a '60s more traditional hero, without it being like a pastiche. Do you know what I mean? Like there is something very wholesome and retro to just the yeah. way he approaches it, as opposed to like a Picard or someone like that. You know? Yeah. But he and he still has the the confidence, the gravitas mm. to to lead this to like to lead this crew of pretty big characters. Yeah, like he, yeah. He exactly. like you like you'll still still walk into the room and be the biggest person there. Like, yeah, but not in like a get out of my way. I've got things. No, to no, no, no. It's like in a way that energy, like, like yeah, like in a way where everyone actually respects and likes him. Which yes, you get that. You'd like that shines across that the very that the relationship between Korea is very well. Oh, yeah. Well, sure, him and Ethan Peck, as well as Rebecca Moraine, they were the concept of recasting them in the second season of Discovery was hated. So they had extra work to do to winning people over. So it's great to see him him do it so effortlessly, you know? Uh Rebecca Moraine is Una, is she? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, got it. Just again, don't know actors' names off the top of my head. Oh yeah, yeah, sorry. Uh, which uh, while we talk about her, uh, Una, great first, great first mate. 
Yes. Uh, no, she's okay. she's in a weird position where do you know anything about the Una from the original show? No. Okay, so this is gonna wreck your head. Okay. When I explain it. But like basically, you know the whole thing about the cage is that it was the pilot for Star Trek that got rejected. Yeah. Do you know that? Yeah, okay. So in it, uh the she was just called number one in that original episode. Uh and she was played by uh oh my god, I'm gonna I can't believe I don't remember her name off the top of my head, but she was basically played by uh Gene Roddenberry's like future wife. And he wanted her in the show. Oh yes, uh, I know, I know exactly who you're talking about. I yes, she's also yeah. she's also Troy's Major mother. Barrett. In, yeah, she's she's also the computer and Troy's mother. Yes. So when they redid the show with Kirk, they recast her as Nurse Chapel, who is also <laughs> right. in this show. So I don't know how they managed the hat trick of essentially recasting Major Barrett twice, <laughs> but. But yeah, I think of all the returning characters, like, like Una didn't even have a name in the original show. So Rebecca Romain had the weirdest uphill struggle of being consistent to a character that was incredibly thinly sketched. And I think, to be honest, I think that I've always thought she's a great actor. She was in the X-Men films, she was in Ugly Betty, all that kind of stuff. I, I think people tried to lump her in as like a Doug Jones type because she had a modeling background. Like, you know, just under the prosthetics and stuff. Uh, but she's always been fantastic. Like, you, in that first X-Men film, you don't notice that she only has one line because she's such great presence, you know? So I'm really glad to see that she's uh, winning at this part and doing great. I mean, what do you think of her, like, overall? Uh, yeah, no, exactly the same. Um, I think, like, she's... She is doing a great job and is a great confidant to Pike. Um, Like that's, it's like one of the kind of the cores of a good, of I think a good like bridge crew is a strong relationship between captain and first mate. You know, it's, it's like, it it is the bedrock of anything of like, yeah. Like either the captain or the number one officer has to be the stern one. And one of them has to be a bit loose. And I feel like in, like, obviously in the original show, Kirk's kind of freewheeling loose and Spock's a bit more rigid. And yeah. in Next Generation, I think they've inverted that. But it yeah, works Picard, here. I think yeah, they're no, both had... allowed to be kind of the baddie and the goodie in that good bug, bad cop dynamic, depending on the situation. They kind of call each other up on their on. Yeah, their you know, it was, it was the know? fun inversion of having, of having your, your Kirk stereotype not be the top dog, having him yes. have to answer to somebody. That's it. And I, and she was kind of put more center stage in this season mm. because of, well, the cliffhanger, really. Like, yeah. you know... Uh, because like, of the augmentation so- stuff, which is is an interesting thing to bring up. Um, you know, especially... I was I never quite understood where this was lining up because we obviously knew about... We'll, we'll probably touch on her in a sec with uh, yeah. Man and the whole Khan Noonien Singh stuff. <laughs> so it was fascinating to find out that Khan's whole deal has already happened. Oh yeah, it's um, uh, like I said it to you two, uh, two or three weeks ago. Yeah. They've re- they've retconned it because of episode three, but originally Khan happened in the World War Three that happened in the future of nineteen ninety. Like oh, yeah, <laughs> which Picard's second season just had to ignore. Uh, like so, like yeah, it's 
it's bizarre that, and it doesn't come up in D Space Nine. Like, I mean, I'm not sure how far into it you are, but like, uh, you, you told me about this. I didn't. I haven't still haven't gotten there yet. I won't, um, I won't, I won't say it. who, but their characters turn up who were basically augmented as children by their parents, and they weren't. They didn't know, and now their existence is illegal. So this is a thing across all of Star Trek, and it's it's one of those things that's starting to come into the real world because gene therapy is a field of science that is now starting to exist. So yeah, I, not only is that great, but I just love a trial episode. All my favorite Star Treks are trial episodes. Oh yeah. Oh no. If if something just immediately like like beelines into a courtroom episode, mm. absolute. It's why I think Better Call Saul is one of the best TV shows ever made. Ah, like it's, I see. It's all courtroom episodes. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I used to. I mean, I've watched obviously a lot of Lawrence Reserve, but I used to love that about uh, Boston Legal since there's a Star Trek yeah. connection there. Um. But yeah, no. Um, she's tell her, uh, yeah, to kind of run back down the kind of list of cast. We mentioned her. Uh, you have the actor named Lan. Oh, uh, Lan, Christina Chong, who is slash was at Comic-Con <laughs> this weekend slash last weekend. Uh, yeah, well, yeah, she's, she's kind of the odd duck as far as characters who are coming back or brand new because... She is technically new, but she's kind of playing to an existing ancestry. Like what like what are your kind of feelings on her character like? It was the mystery that kind of result that had a little bit of resolution in in episode 3 mm. with the uh with the time travel plot. Yeah. But it was finding out what her connection exactly was to Khan mm. and how like the impact of that and the impact of her relationship with Starfleet. Um but even outside of that, like this season in particular, her character really flourished because uh, like she was like she's the head of security. She is she is the the hardened wall. Yes, she, she's she's our wharf, essentially. Yeah, she's actually got double duty as far as rough backstory because she has the kind of connection. But if you remember, her family were also murdered by the Gorn. Yes. So oh, yeah. like like you said, a lot, a lot of walls up there, like, you know, yeah. Yeah, and what no, do you no. and how and do you think that this season has substantially changed her character? Oh, certainly. Like that's you like nothing, nothing of the emotional tenderness of we saw in this season was anywhere in the last season. Yeah. Like, uh, no, this this like we really kind of peeled back the skin on that in in tomorrow and tomorrow and tomorrow, the, mm-hmm. the time travel episode and and the musical episode. <laughs> <laughs> yes, actually, Which, at the time of recording, you know she's released like an album today in the real world. No way, no, I didn't. Yeah, she's. I'm not sure if it's her first LP or not, but like she's currently promoting her album, like you know. Uh, so oh, yeah. I'm feeling of a. So I. It does make me wonder if we'll get to this musical episode later. It does make me wonder if they built that episode outwards from the knowledge that they've got two or three reasonably decent singers in their cast. You know. Potentially, because I know like the musical episode has kind of become a trope in a lot of TV stuff. Mm. Uh, well, I mean, I can only think of like Buffy. I know that probably Riverdale have done one by now as well. That's I don't think it's Batman because Beyond, of Riverdale, maybe. but I know Riverdale's are the big ones. <laughs> yes. Yeah, yeah. Like Lee doesn't count because they're always doing musicals. Uh, uh, yeah, no, I thought her character was really strong this season. Like it's it's tough when you introduce a character who is kind of hard as nails because like if that's their dynamic 
you kind of potentially make them look either weaker or less interesting by peeling away at it. But I thought they did a great job. And managing to do that in a hat trick with bringing Kirk in as well, like, I thought that was superb. Like, Yeah, which while, while we mentioned him, I'm still... I, I'm still not bought on this as Kirk. Um, I, I get what you mean. I Watching them side by side, I, he's actually really grown on me because I like that they he's obviously meant to be younger, but I like mm. that the guy isn't doing an imitation because when a lot of people play Kirk, they don't play Kirk. They play Zap Brannigan. If you, watch, yeah. if you watch the original series, Kirk is actually very measured. And like, if you take away Spock, he has lots of doubts and all that kind of stuff. Mm. He is a fully fleshed out like human being. And I, I don't know if this actor has like done extensive research or not, but this feels more genuine than even when William Shatner was playing him in the films, you know? Okay. It does. Okay. It does feel like Kirk before he became the Kirk. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. Yeah. Still like, it's still a rookie, still kind of learning his feet. I like it. It's more that considering we have another member of the crew, Sam, uh, his brother on yes. the enterprise. I, it, it's hard for me because he feels more like, or at least he reminds me more of Kirk than what we now have as Kirk. Well, do you know what the deal is with Sam in the original series? Not exactly. I, I'm, I'm sorry to break your heart, but the entire deal with Sam, and this actually speaks to how dedicated the strange new world writers are. The entire deal with Sam is that in one episode, Kirk beams down to rescue his brother. He turns up, he finds his brother dead, and his brother is William Shatner in a hilarious mustache. <laughs> and they took that cringy moment and made a three-dimensional character out of it. Oh, these... Damn. Damn, no guys. stone unturned. <laughs> Picard brings back the Borg three times. They bring back mustache William Shatner man. I'm I suppose I'm waiting now for Stranger Worlds to bring back the dog with the cardboard cone on its head. They'll do it. They'll oh, do I've it. got a list. They brought back <laughs> an absurd amount of things. Um but yeah, that's his so that speaks. I mean, I get what you mean, but if he does accidentally seem more Kirkish, it is probably because a bit like with uh Major Barrett being recast hmm. twice, now William Shatner has been recast twice. Functionally, yeah. we've we've kind of gotten gotten two halves of the same of, of a exactly, yeah. yeah. And I and I liked. I'm not sure which episode it's in, but I like the whole idea that even though Sam's the older brother, he feels insecure about being overshadowed because that does seem to track with how when Sam dies in the original series, no one ever talks about him again. Tragically, like I nearly thought they were going to remember him, but because in Star Trek Five, which William Shatner wrote, by the way. Uh, Kirk says I had a brother once And he died And I went Oh good They remembered him And he goes That brother is you Spock Oh No <laughs> No your real brother You twonk <laughs> Not Not when You to rescue him <laughs> From a flying jellyfish On a string wire <laughs> Oh Oh Sam The humble Xeno anthropologist Oh god but yeah, since we're talking about the kind of recastings, uh, like, what's your kind of view on Jess Bush as Christine Chapel? Uh, great. Uh, has an electric charisma mm. and confidence that is playing well with the relationship with Spock across yes. this season. Uh, while 
like that's it like she does a great job i'm trying what's the best way to put it um it's yeah i think in terms of characterization they've had to make the biggest departure with her character because like uh nurse chapel who god bless her she was part of the original crew and for some reason they just never bring her back Ever since movie one, it could be because they were trying to just put as much distance from Gene Roddenberry as they reasonably could after movie one. Uh, but yeah, it's they kind, but she's in the original show. She's a, I'm not going to say a wet blanket necessarily, but she's very mm. passive. She's just kind of there helping Bones and being in love with Spock. And that wouldn't really be interesting in a modern yeah. show. So they've had to kind of really completely invert the design the kind of dynamic between the two of them to make yeah, this and, work and i'm now. glad we've kind of gotten um gotten a very kind of cocky action almost action hero kind of character yeah like, yeah like exactly. he is She's a war veteran her, like, like her and mbenga <laughs> that's just it mbenga actually is a bit of a weird because he is he is in the original show he's only in two episodes as like a guest doctor when mccoy okay. can't turn up so he's another case of like they took someone who was technically original and they completely kind of remade him from the ground up. Like what what are your kind of thoughts on Mbenga like? Oh, great. And especially great as we learn more about him. Like I think it was I think it was last season. Yeah, Hammer was there. Like the whole the, the tragedy with his daughter and then mm. having to give her up to the, that greater space consciousness. So which is he's very retrospect, yes. Yeah, and he had like he has a like that actor has a gravitas. Mm. Like they like he'll he can do a low tone and you are enthralled. <laughs> That's just it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's yeah, he's he seems like the kind of character who, even though he does get like the sense of humor of this, but you could put him in any Star Trek show and he'd be mm. great and he'd fit in because he's just so interesting and dynamic on his own, you know? Obviously, he's a nice chemistry with uh with Chapel. But yeah. like it's there's such a kind of remote quality to him, say in contrast to say Pike's like, let's all sit in the kitchen and have dinner together type thing. That I oh, find I him mean, compelling like, just when he's there, even if he's not at the center yeah. of the scene, you know? Well, I mean, I like if as we kind of get through the episodes, um him and the the Klingon ambassador, mm. like there's there is there is darkness there. <laughs> That's just it. And actually, uh, not to kind of dwell on discovery too much, but the entire thing, if you remember in Discovery Series 2, is Pike felt out of step with the Discovery crew because he wasn't in the war. And he yeah. still had his, like, let's go find him a planet with some mushrooms, guys, type energy. Uh, whereas they were all, like, crying in the background. Yeah. And so here it's kind of inverted. Him and Chapel were in the war, and the rest of them are happy-go-lucky, you know, springy musical chaps, you know? Yeah. <laughs> So yeah, I find him really interesting. There's two, I think there's two more we haven't covered. Obviously, we'll, we've kind of accidentally covered the episodes as we've gone, but uh, so we've got which, Celia which Rose Gooding as Ahura and Melissa Navia as Ortegas. Like, what's your... Ahura is probably the, I would say, maybe the biggest recasting, considering some of them came over from Discovery. So how do you think she's kind of landing it like? Uh, great again, and I think did, doing a great job, considering like she seems to be the kind of the youngest, like she's almost the, the fish out of water in the ship. Yeah, yeah. She, um, she's the Wesley again, in some respects. Yeah, but she but she's doing a better job than Wesley. Like she, yes. she is the prodigy, you know, she is 
And she like, it's like, especially a lot of this season, she's the problem solver. Like if yes, she's the, she's the second act breakthrough. Uh, but like, it, it never feels forced. It always, you can always going to see her line of thinking to get to that point. It's never, it never quite is like a butt pull, you know? That's just it. She seems like, like you said, she seems like the youngest and the most to prove. And yeah. the rest of them are, they're not necessarily senior officers, but they, they've been kind of doing this long enough that they're mm. kind of in their rhythm. Uh, so like having her away from Hemmer this year and sort of sorting things out on her own, it does feel like she's kind of come out of her shell a bit. Like, Yeah. Yeah. And then, yeah, as for Ortega's, there's not a lot to say. I'm, I'm waiting for like her to get a, to get a good episode on her own. But I have a soft spot. She, kind of, she real... started to have one in episode five. Yeah. When she had to pilot the ship without remembering how to pilot the ship. Um, there's bits. Yeah. But I, but, I, I yeah, have... you're right. Or she hasn't been given like a big plot line or anything. Yeah. I don't know. It's I like Ortega's energy. I like how no matter what's going on, she's just kind of plucky and eager to throw herself in and all that kind of stuff. I think I think that's a great trait in a pilot, you know? That's like, it. I, I, I've got a soft spot for a hot shot. Like, yeah, yeah. Top Gun energy. Like, real, you know. real Tom Paris on here. Yeah. Yeah. But even Tom Paris was kind of more surly, like, kind of, yeah. She's a bit of a go getter. Like, you know, yeah. she's like, you know, she looks well, at two meteorites coming towards you and thinks about how fun it will be to try and dodge them, you know? Yeah. Which they don't, it, it, it is in the last episode, but there is, because she was. A, she spent a significant amount of time in the Klingon War as well. That's right. They did as a fighter that, pilot. Yeah. So compared to like Chapel and Mbega, who have these kind of moments of doubt and darkness, it's rare when you see her get into it, like have have a moment of kind of like memory yeah. and uh, an anger about the war. Like again, the with the uh, with the Klingon ambassador. Yeah. In, episode eight um so like there is there is underlie like she she has a lot of like when what her reactions are always like 10 yes. <laughs> like it is either it is either <laughs> she is it is either that she is going to fly through a meteor storm and be the most delighted about it mm. or she is going to make it known that she does not like what's happening that's just it like i put her in a, in a similar category to mbenga in that like Mm. You're just whenever she's in a scene, even if the scene's not about her, you're kind of watching her to see what she does. Yeah, like there's, she's great fun in like the bar scenes for that reason. Like you know, yeah, there's always an energy. Yes, energy is the right word. I apologize for kind of postponing your kind of episode run, but have you, have you got notes there now? Or uh, well, let's kind of get a run through and just kind of get thoughts. Um, we are also we were also at about halfway, so <laughs> that's fine. Final Fantasy uh, can wait. Final Fantasy can wait. Uh, but yeah, as we've already kind of talked through the first episode, we pre- we kind of talked about the second episode. Great courtroom drama. Um, really. And and we got a lot of kind of background information on the genetics wars and potentially how we how the ship could kind of be steered away from that sort of xenophobia. That's just it, because it's a weird case. And I was thinking about this before we hopped on. Mm. Like, it's one thing for Starfleet to, to kind of mind their own house it's another for them to have a policy and impose it on a species for whom genetic alteration is part of their culture so i feel like there's a lot more to be explored there in terms of those ramifications you know oh definitely but it also like it it is painting the picture that this is not the starfleet we know from 
lower decks in the next generation. This is a Starfleet that is still in its finding its form. Yes, it doesn't I mean, even have the what, Prime Directive yet. It's still just called General Order 1. That's. I think it's across this season, they just change it. Like Yes, yes. Um, so like that's yeah, like it, it really colors that out. Uh, we got our first time travel episode, which is always an inevitability in Star Trek. Yes. In tomorrow and tomorrow and tomorrow. Which uh, great title, by the way. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Mm. With uh yeah, Lon and Lon and Kirk going back to I think it's Chicago. Was I think there was one joke that really stuck out to me was like, man, this man, it's crazy that New York looks like this. She's like, it's not New York. <laughs> <laughs> I think they always yeah. go back to New York. <laughs> I was a bit worried when there was sort of like a sort of a protest millennial type in it. But mm. once you find out what her deal is, it becomes much more interesting in retrospect. Do you know what I'm talking about? Yeah. I was definitely like, as I, Go on, and as I was saying, uh, when I first saw him, I wasn't super warmed on, on that Kirk. This is that, this is the episode where I started really turning the page on him and got him. He, he has that warmth. He has that charm. Mm. Um, and yeah, as as we talked, you know, this is the this is the one where we really start breaking down Lon's walls. Yes, yes, exactly. Um, and her and her coming to reckoning, like that scene where she's looking at the child can edgier seat stuff. Like you're you're just wondering what is happening. That's just it. Yeah, and it's like because it, it's mixing up mixing and matching like Star Trek tropes and that kind of thing, but it's just so heartbreaking that she finally has this emotional breakthrough and mm. legally she can't share it with anyone. Like, yeah, that is a character in desperate, even before this, in desperate need of being sat down and having a cup of tea with someone, and some time agent or whatever turns up and says, "Now nah, you're not allowed to talk about that." Yeah, having having a space cop show up and say, yeah. "You're not allowed," <laughs> which they're from Deep Space Nine. They are a real thing. Uh, oh, I believe it. <laughs> So yeah, I thought that that really warmed me to her. I thought that was a great episode. Yeah. And next up then we had Among the Lotus Eaters, which was the um which was the memory loss one. Yes, I'm glad you brought this up. I rewatched the cage and at the start of the cage, he says, I've just come back from a mission on I don't know, Rigel 5 or whatever it is, and I lost four men down there. I want to give up Starfleet. That's the entire emphasis. That mission is what we saw in the Lotus Flower episode. Right. I always, because that's, I know I've heard the name right. I, I said Rigel the same five. thing when I started watching. Rigel Five, that rings a bell. Like, yeah. yeah. Um, so that has deep ties to the original Star Trek because we go back to what made him into a depressing, mopey so-and-so in his own one and only appearance in the cage. Like, you know. Okay. Because, yeah, like that's like that aside, like as interesting as the kind of the connections back and forth, I think this is probably my least favorite of the season. How come? Um, it just it feels the most filler if you kind of. That's funny because I, I thought it was the most typical of like, say, a Voyager episode. I get that it's filler. Yeah. But like to me, this was the one episode where Ortega's got to kind of shine a little bit. She did. I fly the ship or something like that. <laughs> yeah. I, th- I think there was, there was something about watching characters I've already known have to figure themselves out again. I just wasn't engaged with. I get what you mean. You're, you're a step ahead of them. Like, you know. Yeah. I think it would have been better if they, in more tri- typical Star Trek fashion, they woke up with their memory already gone and it was a course of figuring out how they lost it, you know. Yeah, I did think like I did think the explanation of the radiation was interesting. Mm. Um, 
Like I thought there was a lot of interesting concepts. It's just it all none of it came, not a lot of it came together for me personally. Okay, fair enough, but not bad. Um, like not bad. No, I like that's yeah. No baseline. None of the like all of this is way better than even like the most middling of like any Voyager episodes. Yes, yes. And what's episode five then? Baseline. Well, that's that's the thing, and it also did fully like it's the taste thing because episode five is one of my favorites. What was episode? Uh, five episode then? five is charades. <laughs> Oh, this is Spock. Spock human? Humans, yeah. <laughs> yes. I I love, like, the, the, the camp comedy episodes are some of my absolute favorites here. Because there's this one and the one in the last season where he body swaps with his wife. <laughs> yes. Just yes. gold. And again, it's, 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 um, again, John, Josh Peck? Well, no. Uh, Ethan Peck. Ethan Peck. Josh Peck is- Josh Peck is drinking Josh. Josh Peck is drinking Could Josh. Could be related. Peck- I don't know. Josh Peck is fully living it up on Oppenheimer money right now. <laughs> Ethan Peck. Ethan Peck, like it's it's these scenarios Ethan Peck is shining in like comedy routines. So it's I like it's fully like it is womp womp. I have to pretend to be a Vulcan in front of my fiance. I know, but the first half an hour is him enjoying being fully human and throwing cereal at Sam Kirk. <laughs> It's great. There's, there's like, it's, it's so energetic. Um, and like, it's, it's exactly what you need for somewhere like kind of in this middle of the season. You need yeah, something. yeah. And it's, it's, as I think you said, it was like, it's, it's great that Strange New Worlds are pulling this sort of like, because this is filler. This is nothing but filler. Except uh, for the like, fact that it's in completely essential to the story. Oh, yeah. But I mean, like, you know, it can be the escapades. Yes, the yes, escapades. Yes. No, no, I get what you mean. And it was like, I know you seem to be more watching this as like an island and I'm kind of looking for the branching mm-hmm. connections. But it was nice to see Amanda back from Discovery. Kind of his mum, you know, kind of like showing him. Because really, this episode set in motion, like the fact that Spock does have a human side and possibly because of the consequence of the musical episode, he's pushing it down. But it is there. It's just Certainly. ticking under the surface, you know? Oh no! I'm like that's I I I don't I don't want to detract from any of that. Like there is every episode is always kind of building on building up to the next. Yes, uh, but I admire when like kind of franchises have a holistic approach and keep everything consistent. Like I love that episode to bits. I loved the behavior of uh, I don't have the I think possibly to bring the fiance's uh, parents and all that lifting up the roast and hot teapot like. The Just father, everything. the father killed me. <laughs> like, what's that? Snacks? It's like you don't want snacks. I don't want snacks. <laughs> <laughs> it, it was, it was great so to see him laugh in a bar too much. You know, like yeah. uh, oh, I love it to bits. Uh, and then episode six, uh, that that was lost. the horror kind of centric episode, wasn't it? With Kirk yes. and Yes, yes, this is it the one where they are. It's that they're accidentally killing the subspace entity, and that and that entity is transmitting like Hammer's corpse. Yes, yes, that was and it. Everyone's going through hallucinations. Yeah, that's just it. This speaks, I think, to the strength of the character writing in Strange New Worlds because Next Generation has an episode where there are several episodes actually where they're mining living things back, and it also has several episodes where the crew are having nightmares. But this still feels fresh because the character stuff is really good. Yeah, you have you have that. Well, I mean, the main one is the underlying grief that Ahura feels for Hammer. Yes, um, yes, of course. And it's 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 trying to translate through that that they're that 
the race is using that to send a message and isn't just tormenting her. Yeah, it's not malicious, like. Yeah. And you have that and Kirk and uh, Lon kind of meeting for the first time and all this kind of stuff. Like, it's all kind of, it's all kind of taken over, like, you know. That's it. Like, yeah, this this is definitely like, this, this is very classical Star Trek in trying to deal with an alien race that they're trying to understand. Like, it... It is it is very uh, meeting strange new races and trying to understand them. Yeah, I also uh, this could be like a more personal nitpick. I'm really glad they didn't have an admiral breathing down their neck who wanted to kill the things to get the fuel or whatever. Oh, like I've, I've watched so many Star Treks that I know that if an admiral turns up, there's a nine out of ten chance they're going to be evil or just unpleasant. Just real bureaucratic and I was for that yeah. moment. Uh, but now this is the one that's going to lose us the rest of our time. Episode seven. <laughs> Those old scientists. <laughs> oh my, the most hyped piece of television since the first episode of The Mandalorian. Oh boy, yeah. So this is the crossover episode with Lower Decks. <laughs> yes. Um, so it actually, I, I like, again, charming to the degree of, with like the degree of detail going on here. I love the fact that they animated the entire intro sequence. Yes. And even had that weird squid monster skin on the nacelle pod. <laughs> <laughs> Um, really charming. Again, considering we're wait, we're still waiting on a season. Great to see them animated again. Uh, yes, the 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 crew of the oh, sugar California class. What's the name? Doesn't of the ship? matter. Doesn't matter. <laughs> um, in any case, uh, Cerritos. Cerritos. Yeah, the whole point is that you don't remember it. Because it's the one that's sent to pick up the bits of asteroid after the Enterprise has done the fun stuff. Yeah, but I like the yeah, but I like the Cerritos. I like the mundanity. We can't start talking about this. <laughs> yes, yes, yes. Uh, but yeah, I was honestly a bit nervous about this one because, like, I I don't know the other actor outside of podcasting and stuff, but I really like Jack Quaid, and I was a bit nervous that Lower Decks would lose its appeal translated into one. But he gave it his all. Both of them did really. That's in a weird I way, I think Mariner's actor had the, the bigger challenge because you can be Boimler by just getting hyped up and throwing your arms in the air. But she's quite an aloof character mm-hmm. and translating animated aloof is still bigger. But like, I thought she, I thought both of them did it really well. Like, that's it. it like, it, it, it is, it shows the strength that they're not just great voice actors, mm. but great character actors, considering they managed to be walking, living human people and still feel like cartoon characters. Yes. It like reminded they, me a they, bit of the Star Trek episode where like someone who was originally supposed to be played by Robin Williams turns up from the future in mm. Next Generation. And he's basically acting like a Star Trek fanboy because he knows what everything is because he's from the future. And that's the vibe I got off this. Like, it felt like Jack Quaid is a fan who has invaded Strange New Worlds from yeah. outside the television, and he's like getting overly excited about everything, you know? Absolutely, yeah. No, it's it's so funny. I kept, I think I like in the back of my brain, I I knew that Boimler was Jack Quaid. It's not until I saw him where I think I put two and two together and was like, boys, yeah, exactly, and the purple hair. <laughs> Um, oh, I love the purple hair. But yeah, no, it was fun. It was fun to have. I I honestly forgot how, like my sense of time and did fall for the fake out with with uh, with Mariner falling through the portal. I fully, I completely lost my sense of time. You didn't realize the half of the episode was still yeah. coming. 
Yeah, no, I thought I I thought we'd had forty five minutes. <laughs> yeah, it does feel complete, but a bit like say because you mentioned that uh, there was the filler episode earlier. It still significantly progresses the Spock and Chapel relationship in amongst all the fun and games. Like it oh, does yeah. feel like, um, and the the, the 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 conversation where Pike reveals he knows his future is heartbreaking. You know, so it's like it did did that lovely juggle out of it was a novelty episode, but it still had genuine humanity and growth to it. You know, absolutely, absolutely. Um, yeah, blast. And I like again, I'm I'm a sucker for multimedia stuff. Uh, so yeah, yeah, it's great seeing flip from animation to the other. We didn't get to see Tendi in real, but you know, Orion's were there, like you know. It all feels very like well thought out and consistent, you know. Yeah, and uh, also now, Easter egg I didn't notice until after. Oh. Uh, you watch Lower Decks, don't you? Yeah. Uh, you know uh, Ransom, the kind of Kirk-like kind of first officer and all that. Yeah, yeah. He's apparently married to Rebecca Romaine, so him no like way. coming in and checking her out on the poster is like, ah, it's one hot babe. <laughs> I have her poster on my wall. It's a bit of an Easter egg there, you know. <laughs> That's cute. That. Isn't it though? I love cute stuff like that. Um, next, I think actually might be my favorite episode. You've, you've actually kind of talked this up throughout the whole episode. The the Klingon yeah, under the cloak of war because it. So the the running theme. So the the episode of this is that there's a Klingon ambassador who was a war hero. The mm. uh, the butcher of Cabrath or something. Yeah. yeah. Uh, who is he's a he's he's a Klingon war hero who sacrificed, slaughtered a lot of like three of his commanding generals mm. and killed a bunch of innocent people to basically end a skirmish on a moon. Right. Uh, but is now preaching peace, peace. and calmness yeah. and serenity, which is very out of character for Klingons as we know them now. Um, and it's it's he's the 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 Enterprise is transporting him across to another uh to another con- to another uh, conference or something, mm. and a lot of the crew do not trust him, and they have to play nice with them and all this. Yeah, and they have to play, play nice with them, and it's this tension. And again, like we mentioned, you know, people like Mbenga and Chapel and Ortegas like make the air their grievances and make it known. But it's as the episode develops. I think we we're way ahead of spoiling things, but just, we, we know is- we know how it all turns out. Yeah, yeah, it's. I find it interesting because Discovery went all in on the Grim, especially mm. in that first season. So it's great to see how after a season of larking around with Jack Quaid and all this, when they actually do decide to actually throw a punch and do something heavy, it really hits, you know? Yeah. Oh yeah. No, like I was I was enthralled. Like it's the the back and forth that the Klingon martial arts scene, uh with with that Klingon and a banger. Mm. Like it's it's they were having their dialogue, but it was how the dialogue was transposed through the actions. That's a that's a very Engaging good script stuff. writing technique. Yeah. It's like if men have to resolve their differences, you give them an activity to do, you know. Yeah. Especially if, if it's a literal fighting activity. I noticed it in like Bridgerton as well, the one scene where like the Lord has to kind of admit his feelings to another man about some woman. They do it while yeah. boxing. Yeah. Because that's the only way that men can apparently communicate on TV. Even in the King's speech, it's while they're gluing a plane together or something like that, you know. <laughs> gotta have your gotta have our little hands busy. Exactly, yes. You can't because <laughs> apparently it's 
if you just stand and say it, it doesn't look natural on television for some reason. No, it has to be, it has to be very, it has to be engaging to watch. Exactly. Yes. Um, yes. But this, yeah, no, this episode stellar. It's, it's great geopolitical commentary. And with a, like, again, I won't say it out loud just because you should go watch this episode, mm. but yeah, the twist uh, like near the end of it knocked me and I loved how it resolved. Yes. Uh, now, we're not going to get to Final Fantasy because you have four minutes left. I apologize yes. for eating 20 minutes. But <laughs> give me all your excited thoughts on the musical episode in four minutes. I just, I, like, listen, it's not going to win a Tony anytime soon. But I love, I love people. I love, like, they even say it in the show. Just the 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 entire conceit of not being able to say feelings so big that you need to sing them. Which is a very which is the golden rule of musicals. You sing when you can no longer say like exactly. Know. So the fact that this and I love how it was a curse. Like that's <laughs> they could so easily have just like out of cat like out of context just made it a musical episode. But no, yeah. it's a curse, and they're all really bummed out about it. Yeah, they're desperately trying to avoid it. Like you know. Yeah, and how and how they kind of like wrap it in because it's that they're not a le- like it's. They're they're not in control of what they can actually then start singing about if the emotions are strong enough. And it's Lan is like, no, Pike, this is a security risk. <laughs> things, yes. things, could, <laughs> things can go real bad if we start singing. So I yeah, need to, I and, to stop and there was a nice bit of variety to the way the songs played out. Like you know, because you had your big group number at the start, and obviously the having the Glee singers singing the theme over the intro. You know, the ba ba ba, the acapella type thing. Yeah, uh, that was cute. Uh, but like, you know, it's it did feel like a real musical in that the wide variety of songs. It wasn't just solo song. This is how I'm feeling. Like you had yeah. Kirk and uh, like Una's lovely little thing in the hallway. You had uh, Lan's big ballad. You had like even just a tiny little bit between Pike and his girlfriend across the screen. Like it felt like they, it, it's. I never stopped being surprised by it. Oh, the chapel's number knocked me out because it was a great oh. fancy song, but I felt so bad, you know. Oh yeah, like it's like it. It's not that like it's painting her as a bad person, but it is a villain song, you know. Yes, yes, it's, that's it a good has that yeah. energy, that jazzy smoothness. I'm like, it's again, it's it's that they're not in control of this. So yeah, you can see it. Sam bopping along to the song in the background, like yeah. <laughs> so like that's yeah, like she might look like she's kind of smiling through it. She's not happy. She's saying any of this. No, um, no, like, uh, but that's just it—the nature of it. And like, then you had the double whammy back to back of Spock and Ahura's solo numbers. Ahura's yeah. Ahura's number is incredible. Yeah, like, I I was wondering how many of them. Were the actual cast singing? I meant to. Look I I have like, theories on that. We know from saying earlier that Christina Chong is a yeah. like has is a singer outside of Star Trek. You know, that doesn't surprise me because like my best guess is I was watching the camera work to see what were close ups and what was hiding it. I noticed in the song between Una and Lan, where they were kind of floating in the air. I suspect that might be a little bit of overdubbing. Same for Pike's one. But I noticed on Lan, Spock's, and Ahura's, a lot of close camera work, tight choreography, all that yeah. kind of stuff. Oh, and obviously Chapel as well. Uh, yeah, which I, if, I'm not, if I had to make a guess, and this is based on nothing, so I apologize on, on, if Anson Mount is listening. 
But if I had to guess, I'd reckon they were the ones with musical singer backgrounds or just some sort of experience, you know? Probably. But like, listen, I'm not going to criticize the cast members because being able to sing, act and dance as a triple whammy, mm. that's a lot to ask of someone. If they that, can't, that's just I, it. And they had to consistently be themselves as their characters. Yes. Like, you know, which is a big ask. Being able yeah. to be consistent and in a musical, you know? So yeah, no, like if if they were overdubbed, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna put that on. Nope, like, they the still actor. put the work in each and every one of them. Yeah. I'm a bit gutted uh, Ortegas didn't get a song because I could say <laughs> I could see her character translating to a musical very oh easily, yeah, big you know? like we, we talked about very big personality. I gotta fly the ship. Yeah. That's yeah, no, she could do a jazz that. number, yeah. <laughs> bring bring but, back the musical episode next season. Make this the new like Rick and Morty infinite channels or something like that, you know. So uh yeah, no, and then the big group number at the end, just oh I know we're at time, but Cling on K-pop dancers. Come on. <laughs> I forgot. The whole episode. about that. Because we, we had to watch it in two sittings because we have an infant. And okay. the whole day waiting to get to the end of this episode, I was like, if those Klingons don't sing by the end of this episode, well, that's, that's I'm writing like, off this they, whole season. They, they teased the fact that the Klingons had been singing. I know, but if I didn't yeah. get to see it, I wouldn't have been happy. <laughs> I, I, I was personally hoping for something of a... For something of a death metal march, but the K-pop joke was really it's, funny. It's yeah, I because I know Klingons like opera, but yeah. I, I think I think they went with the best approach. I just wish I'd seen more of it. Um, well, you've been you've been saved by the bell, so I won't go too deep into. Yes, into I apologize to anyone who wanted to desperately hear our Final Fantasy sixteen thoughts. We might just have to do an entire Final Fantasy retrospective someday. I think so. Like, I because yeah, we I think we we've, we've got a lot of feelings on them. Oh, but, I can uh, talk just, about Fantasy for ages, definitely. But yeah, just to kind of wrap, Hegemony's a fantastic ending to mm-hmm. the season. And basic channels is that it's another encounter with the Gorn, but much more complicated. There's there's a bit more uh, political strife going on, along right. with the the action and horror elements that any of their encounters have had. And like that, it. This is the thing that this is one of the things that's engaging me throughout the season. I would, I'm loving how they are doing the Gorn. Yeah, um, I'm. I'm interested to see how they keep doing the Gorn because Kirk hadn't heard of them when he turns up. Mm. So Spock at least should know them. But you know what? If that ends up being a little continuity glitch, whatever, it's fine. Yeah. And uh, again, I think I don't think it's I don't think it's 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 a bad thing to say. Forewarned, Strange New Worlds has really started pulling the the time age tradition of Star Trek ending a season on a to be continued cliffhanger. Oh my God. So I just, if I think it's better, we're not font writing like in next generation. No, they have their own font for it, but gosh, sugar. And, but we could, that's, you know what, when strange new worlds come back for its inevitable third season, we could probably talk about it then. There you go. All right. Now, unfortunately we've gone a little bit over, so you're getting no plugs. Sorry about that. Uh, but until next time, we will have our full review of Dublin Comic Con, which we have been at. We've been at. It's in the past, obviously. Um, so until next time, I've been Kean. I've been Kev. And we will see you next time. Bye. Bye bye. Thank you for listening to a Nerd to Know Media production. <laughs>